So certainly we are in a physical season of change. That's pretty evident from this morning. Um, we had a pleasant week, I thought, weather-wise, and now it's a little bit chillier. And uh, the seasons do that for us. They're, they, uh, they lay out patterns of changes that oftentimes reflect changes in our lives. Sometimes change feels good, and sometimes it is a little bit painful. And of course, that's just life. We all experience change, right? Sometimes we don't like it. We're all creatures of habit, of course. We all sit roughly in the same spots in the pews. We all probably parked roughly in the same spot in the parking lot. We go to the same gas stations, things like that. And that's just a part of our human nature. But life is full of change. Loved ones that we thought we would always be there are no longer there. Jobs we thought we would have. Cars that we'd bought and are gone. It's... Sometimes change seems slow, sometimes it's rather abrupt and quick, but it's a constant that is always there. Change management is really where it's at, how we deal with change. We can resist change or we can embrace change, but change happens. I remember Rav Mike used to often say that you can't control change, but you can control how you react to change. You know, how you handle that is completely within your control. The patriarchs, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they were experienced a familiar change just like the rest of us. A few Torah portions ago, um, Abraham was enjoying life in uh, the suburbs of Baghdad, I'd imagine. Nice family life, probably middle class, doing well, and he got called out of that to a land that he knew not, never been there before, but was told to go ahead and get going. And after that, Abraham's life was full of trials. I'd like to begin, actually, this week in last week's Torah portion, which was Toldot. Um, if you would turn there, chapter 26, it's on page 26. Genesis, or Bereshit, chapter 26. It's on page 26 in the Stearns, but if you have a different version, it might be on a different page. This is one of Avraham's trials here. Avraham had a lot of different trials that he went through in his life. Lots of change, right? Chapter 26, verse 1, a famine came over the land, not the same as the first famine which had taken place when Abraham was alive. Yitzchak, this is Yitzchak's uh, uh, trial. Yitzchak went to Gerar to Avimelech, king of the Philistine. Adonai appeared to him and said, don't go down to Egypt, but live where I tell you. Stay in the land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you, because I will give all these lands to you and to your descendants. I will fulfill the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants as numerous as stars in the sky. I will give all these lands to your descendants, and to your descendants all the nations of the earth will bless themselves. Very familiar language. All this because Avraham heeded what I said and did what I told him to do. He followed my mitzvot, my regulations, and my rulings. So 
there's, I'd like to talk about verse 5 for a moment there, that the uh, mitzvot and regulations and rulings, uh, this translation has three things that he followed, of course. Most other translations will have a fourth. If you have an NASB, you'll see the word charge in there. Some translations have the word safeguard. It's the word mishmarti, and it, you know, you can hear the word shamar within that word, and that's safeguards. So most translations, or if you read it in the Hebrew, there's four things that he followed. Safeguards, and then mitzvot, regulations, and teachings. The teachings part's actually Torah-tai. We have mishmarti, safeguards, mitzvot-tai, mitzvot, hukot-tai, regulations, and Torah-tai, which is plural for Torahs or teachings. And these are things that we can rely on because those are constant things. Those things don't change. Torah and Adonai's commandments are things that don't change, amen. We can rely on these. And really, these four things are just a collection of everything that we find in Torah. The safeguards traditionally are thought of as um, things, enactments like you shouldn't carry a hammer on Shabbat because you're not supposed to work on Shabbat. Carrying a hammer would cause you to possibly sin. A little bit of revisionist history going on there as far as some of the rabbinic stuff. But you get the idea. The mitzvot portion of that is uh, those are commandments that are thought to be easily understood, like thou shalt not steal. It's a pretty easy commandment to understand. Hukot, or hukot otai, my regulations. That's a little bit different. Those are regulations that, that are not easy to understand. You can wear linen garments. You can wear a wool garment. You can't wear a garment made of linen and wool. It's hard to understand exactly the rationale behind some of that. Nevertheless, and Torotai, which is the teachings, is just a uh, sort of a summary of all those together. In any event, Avraham was blessed. I'm sure he was a nice guy and he was a moral fellow, but he was blessed because he followed the mitzvot regulations and teachings. Keeping God's commandment is an important part of practicing the faith of Abraham. And so Adonai's unchanging word helped Abraham navigate his life struggles. And so this week's Torah portion continues with Yaakov and change in his life. Now, Yaakov, he had a great life, right? An upper-class family, wealthy. He spent all his days studying Torah, didn't have to work. Um, he had a pretty nice life going. I imagine many of us would uh, enjoy that for sure. But life happens, and now he's on the run. So let's just go over a little bit of what Juan read for us. Turn over a page or so to chapter 28. This week's Torah portion begins um, with him heading out. Yaakov went out from Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. Haran can be translated several different ways. City of anger is what I heard one rabbi call it. But if you look it up in a lexicon, it'll say it's a dried up place or parched. And so if names mean things, and generally they do, then Yaakov is heading somewhere quite unpleasant, right? 
He came to a certain place and they stayed the night there because the sun had set. It's nighttime. He took a stone from the place and put it under his head and lay down to sleep. So he doesn't have a lot with him. He's alone. He dreamt there. He dreamt that there before him was a ladder resting on the ground with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of Adonai were going up and down on it, which is a, obviously that's a that's a vision of a connection between our world and the heavenly realm, which is what an altar is. It's a point of intersection between Adonai and this world. And so what he sees there is another intersection of the heavenly realm and the earthly realm, this ladder. Then suddenly Adonai was standing there next to him, and he said, I am Adonai, the God of Abraham, your grandfather, and the God of Yitzchak. The land on which you are lying, I will give to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the grains of dust on the earth, and you will expand to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. By you and your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Look, I am with you. I will guard you wherever you go, and I will bring you back into this land because I won't leave you until I have done what I promised you. It is a little puzzling at first that being a great man of God, of course, Yaakov here, he has to leave the Holy Land and go to a dreadful place to find a wife. And I would imagine he's fearful, he's lonely, he's downtrodden, this is not a good season in his life, but he has little choice. Even in this dangerous place he's at, he's, He's not at the place that he left, and he's not at his destination. He's somewhere in the middle in the wilderness, in a dangerous place, in the middle of the night. He's not alone. Even though he feels abandoned, you know, he's, Adonai is there looking out for him. And so the faithfulness that Yaakov has results um, in protection, this promise of protection from Adonai. Faithfulness and obedience would help them persevere. Faithfulness, I really like the word faithfulness and the implications of that word. Faith is generally how, uh, when you read in the New Covenant, the Greek word pistis is generally translated as faith, but can also be translated as faithful or faithfulness. And I like the word faithfulness because of the implications of that word. Faithfulness implies both faith and action which proves that faith. It kind of has a little bit more of an action feel to it. We read in the book of James that faith by itself, unaccompanied by actions, is dead. So faith is the belief, but actions, you can kind of wrap that together, and that's faithfulness. Being faithful means not only do you have faith, but your actions sort of back up that faithfulness. So when life hands us change, and change is usually disruptive and it's painful, we have to be faithful, which is faith in action. And it's not always easy, because life really gets us down. You think of Moshe. Moshe was driven to the edge so many times by the people that at one point he asks Adonai to take his life. The same thing with Elijah. Elijah was on the run. He thinks he's the only upright man left in Israel. And... Uh, he gets to the point where he asks to die. Even Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, he cursed the day that he was born. 
And these are righteous, godly men that go through struggles. But they were faithful and obedient at the same time. King David wrote about his struggles. A very powerful psalm. Psalm 69. Let's go there. Psalm 69 on page 856. Now, King David went through a lot of seasons in his life, and some of them were long and difficult. Psalm 69. For the leader set to lilies by David, save me, God, for the water threatens my life. He's drowning. And I'm, that's how many times in life do we feel at times like we're drowning for, in, in something, in some situation, in some season in our life. I'm sinking down in the mud and there is no foothold. I've come to deep water. The flood is sweeping over me. I am exhausted and crying. My throat is dry and sore. My eyes are worn out with looking for my God. Those who hate me for no reason outnumber the hairs on my head. My persecutors are powerful. My enemies accuse me falsely. Am I expected to return things I didn't steal? God, you know how foolish I am. My guilt is not hidden from you. Let those who put their hope in you, Adonai Elohim, Sevaot, not be put to shame through me. Let those who are seeking you, God of Israel, not be disgraced through me. For your sake, I suffer insults. Shame covers my face. I am estranged by, from my brothers, an alien to my mother's children. Because zeal for your house is eating me up, and on me are falling the insults of those insulting you. I weep bitterly and I fast, but that too occasions insults. I clothe myself with sackcloth and have become an object of scorn. The gossip of those sitting by the town gate, the theme of drunkards' songs. As for me, Adonai, let my prayer to you come at an acceptable time. In your great grace, God, answer me with the truth of your salvation. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink. Let me be rescued from those who hate me and from the deep water. Don't let the floodwaters overwhelm me. Don't let the deep swallow me up. Don't let the pit close its mouth over me. This is David's in a pit. The waters are coming up over him, but he's praying and crying out to God. Answer me, Adonai, for your grace is good and your great mercy turn to me. Don't hide your face from your servant. For I am in trouble. Answer me quickly. Come near to me and redeem me. Ransom me because of my enemies. Faithful. He's in the midst of going through trial and in the midst of all his pain, he continues and is faithful and in prayer and crying out to Adonai. You know how insulted, you know how I am insulted, shamed and disgraced, before you stand my foes, insults have broken my heart to the point that I could die. I hoped that someone would show compassion, but nobody did. And that there would be comforters, but I found none. They put poison in my food. In my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Let their dining table become before them a snare. When they are at peace, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they can't see 
and let their bodies always be stumbling. Pour out your fury on them and let your fierce anger overtake them. Let the place where they live be desolate with no one to live in their tents for persecuting someone you had already stricken, for adding to the pain of those you wounded. Add guilt to their guilt. Don't let them enter your righteousness. Erase them from the book of life and let them not be written with the righteous. Meanwhile, I am afflicted and hurting. God, let your saving power raise me up. I will praise God's name with a song and extol him with thanksgiving. This will please Adonai more than a bull with its horns and hoofs. The afflicted will see it and rejoice. You seeking after God, let your heart revive. For Adonai pays attention to the needy and doesn't scorn his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and whoever moves in them. For God will save Sion, he will build the cities of Yehuda. His people will settle there and possess it. The descendants of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will live there. Very powerful, very sorrowful, but very encouraging in that he's not giving up. He's persevering through this. He's praying. He's staying faithful to Adonai. A lot of times change, life experiences are painful. It happens to us individually. Uh, For example, my wife right now is going through a very uh, painful time in her professional career that's very hard on her family. I know people like uh, Brenda and Mary have lost loved ones in the past couple weeks. Very hard on them. Within uh, the leadership we have here at Tree of Life, we have a, it's very heavy, burdensome times for us, and this is something that's very painful for our community. The seasons that we go through sometimes are very difficult to get through, but we have to remain faithful like David and like the patriarchs. We can't control change, but we can control our faithfulness. And that's our job. One of our jobs in this life is be faithful, to work out, uh, show our lives, to reveal the character of our God. There are moments when we are angry and depressed and we feel like we're drowning or we feel like we're alone in a hostile place like Yaakov. But we're not alone and we can take solace in knowing that we are not alone. God will keep us and deliver us if we remain faithful. So, in closing, I like to find stuff that can help booster our faithfulness, my faithfulness, but maybe that can help all of us boost, boost our, our faithfulness. So I'll close with this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's on page 1441. I found this very helpful in this past week. 2 Corinthians the very beginning of the book, chapter 1. Page 1441, or if you have another version of Scripture, you're going to have to hunt it down back there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read just a handful of verses here. What I found very helpful this week for myself. From Shaul, verse 1, from Shaul by God's will, an emissary of the Messiah Yeshua and brother Timothy, to God's messianic community in Corinth, 
along with all God's people throughout Achaia. I mean, Corinth is probably a lot like our community, largely Gentile with a, with a small Jewish core population in it. Grace to you and shalom, peace from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Praise be to God, Father of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, compassionate Father, God of all encouragement and comfort, who encourages us in all our trials so that we can encourage others in whatever trials they may be undergoing with the encouragement we ourselves have received from God. For just as the Messiah's suffering overflowing to us, so through Messiah our encouragement also overflows. So if we undergo trials, it is for your encouragement and deliverance. And if we are encouraged, that should encourage you when you have to endure sufferings like those we are experiencing. Moreover, our hope for you remains staunch because we know that you share in the sufferings um, that as you share in the sufferings, you will also share in the encouragement. For brothers, we want you to know about the trials we have undergone in the province of Asia. The burden laid on us was so far beyond what we could bear that we even despaired of living through it. Kind of sounds like the patriarchs, Moses and uh, Elijah and Abraham Yitzchak and Yaakov. It's a lot of despair. In our hearts, we felt we were under sentence of death. However, this was to get us to rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He rescued us from such deadly peril and he will rescue us again. The one on, in whom we have placed our hope will indeed continue to rescue us. Now this last verse here I really found, really found encouraging. And you must add your help by praying for us. For the more people that are praying, the more people there will be to give thanks when their prayer for us is answered. See, what we need, of course, is prayer, but we also need each other and prayer for each other. Intercession as a community is something that's very vital. We all travel about throughout the week having unique experiences and unique trials that are different from each other. We have changes in our personal life, and we experience changes and trials as a family, and we also share in that in a communal sense. But as we go about the week, we have to keep each other in prayer, keep our community in prayer, and that's something that if we all are active and participating in, it, it, there's power in that. The Spirit will work through that, and Adonai will help keep us. Like Avraham Yitzchak Yaakov, we encounter changes in life that test us, of course. But like them, we need to remain faithful as they remain faithful. We have each other, we pray for each other, and we persevere through tough times. Um, I will close with uh, this verse. That's from Yeshua. He wrote, uh, we can find these words in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. He says, Come to me, all of you who are struggling and burdened. Come to me. You can come to him in prayer. Prayer is so powerful. Come to me, all of you who are struggling and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Shabbat shalom. I will close.